Rotten Tomatoes has this sci-fi series rated at 90% from the critics and 78% from the audience. Guys, we're about to review The Mandalorian. Brown, brown. It's like <laughs> Law and Order. Welcome back to the Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. Where we give you a review at least once a week. Spoilers. I think when Disney Plus pretty much started, The Mandalorian helped launch that or promote it that big, I believe. I think it came around the same time. I can't remember, which was like in 2019. Time just flew. We're in 2023. The third season just finished. I loved it. I think you loved it. I think we watched it together. I think the first episode, you're you're here. And I think we tried to watch the first episode. Is that right? Or I joined for like for the seven week, seven day trial. You, you joined you for watch. the seven day trial, uh, and right. I wasn't watching it with you, but there was like, uh, oh, no, no, I, I don't think we watched the first episode together. Um, yeah, I think we did. I, I maybe as a rewatch. No, I don't, I don't feel like we watched it on premiere. Um, I think we did. Was it here anyway. or is it your place? Yeah, yeah, over here. Wow. Oh, it was around Christmas. Oh, yeah. Because so. it was around the holidays. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. I've, anyway. I've rewatched that episode like so many times. Though. Oh, me too. I mean, the first season, I would watch each episode two or three times. Yeah. I guess to recap right before the next episode. This was an immediate hit. It had starring Pedro Pascal. Yep. Who's in The Last of Us. He was in Wonder Woman 84. He was in Narcos. He did a guest spot on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in uh, a Nicolas Cage King's, film recently. The Kingsman Part 2. He was in that. Wonder Woman. I said that already. Thank you for paying attention. Uh, I excel at uh, observations. It's created by John Favreau. You know, Iron Man. Mm -hmm. You have also um, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed from the Rocky days. Kate Sackhoff, she plays... Bo-Katan. Which she prized her role because she was the voice of Bo-Katan in The Clone Wars. True. A lot of people probably know her, though, from uh, Battlestar Galactica. She had some guest spots in The Flash CW series. She did. She played a villain. That's something I want to talk about later in the sense of, like, in the world of Star Wars, age doesn't matter. Because when we see her in the Clone Wars and where we see her now, she should be a lot older. True. She should be close to it. She should be like Obi-Wan's age, before, you know, when he got killed. He should, she should be. She wasn't a kid. Yeah, that's true because this is taking place after Obi-Wan has already passed on. No, it's even further. It's actually after Palpatine the, yeah. was taken down yeah. by Vader. And that goes into the argument like, Technically, the people that we watch in Star Wars, are they actually human? Because do they ever use the word human to describe so, their yes. species? They do? Yeah, I think so, yes. Well, damn, they just messed up the whole lore then. Because <laughs> they could have well, argued for years. They're like, yeah, no one's actually human. The, the, well, the, the I, lifespan differs. Right. Well, I blame George Lucas for that because he didn't put it into detail in a sense originally. Yeah. Anakin and Obi-Wan, when they as a ghost us as force ghosts they're mm-hmm. around the same age so they gave the, the implication that they grew up relatively together they were like brother in arms at around the same age but then george lucas with his prequels bull crap you know he made anakin the padawan of oh, obi-wan wow. which was like 
silly stupid. And then the age difference where it's basically 19 years from Revenge of the Sith into A New Hope. And you're going to see Obi-Wan and then from Revenge and then New Hope, the age like 40 years. Come on. Mm -hmm. It kills the lore, in my opinion, with that. But again, age is, I guess, irrelevant in here. Our time is irrelevant here. True. But let's go back to here. John Favreau took the idea of Boba Fett in the sense of his tribe, the Mandalorians, yeah, and and created a new character and expanded on the Star Wars universe. And that's why I love the show. It's not freaking Luke, Leia, Anakin, or any of the Skywalkers. It's a f- fresh page, a fresh face, a fresh story, just like Rebels. True. I mean- That's what it- I like about that. It like, uh, given the exception that it still does touch into Jedi aspect. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it, it touches base. Of course, you have the Grogu, yeah, who's you know the same species as Yoda, and there you have that Force aspect. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's not like heavily like before, where you just focus on Anakin or focus on Luke or Ahsoka. It's not strictly just Jedi. True, true. This is more of him. And what I also loved about this, it, it John Favreau or the series, it takes a lot of influence, of course, how the original Star Wars was done or the original trilogy was done in the sense of what influenced that. Cowboy film, samurai films, of course, you have the sci-fi aspect mm-hmm. and still in keeping in continuity of the Star Wars universe because now it's going on so so it's like i believe it's five years after revenge of this uh, return of the jedi excuse me return of the jedi and we see him just being a badass he comes in just like clean it's wood cowboy films the strawberry uh, spaghetti western films yeah yeah he's the he's declaring president the, like bounty hunter right the, the, the man guy. the man with the man with no name right y- which yeah was, it was which was influenced by akura kurosawa's movies Yonjimbo and Sanjuro, mm-hmm. you have that, I guess, uh, degrees of separation. Are we going to be talking about all three seasons? Yes, one? we're going to talk about all three seasons <laughs> for the most part, in the sense, if we could remember what we liked in the first, what we liked in the second, what we liked in the third. Okay, okay? that's fair. Um, yeah, right now, right? But you no, know, long story short, in a sense, here we come to know who the Mandalorian is. He's Dinjarin, that's his name. Yep. And he befriends, what is um, Groku's species called? I don't think they ever gave it a name. I'll say youngling, whatever. He comes with like, a foundling. A, a fondling. Fondling? Foundling. Not, not fondling. No. <laughs> Boundling. <laughs> Boundling. So anyway. A former Padawan. Well, he doesn't know that. But <laughs> he meets this baby Yoda and immediately he bonds with it. Why? Because he was in the same situation where he was found abandoned by a group of Mandalorians True. that took him under his wing. From there, where we have, where we as the audience find out how or what in more detail the Mandalorian is about, the Mandalorian culture, yeah, the Mandalorian way of life, which also explains like why not just the fact that he was you know brought into this culture and whatnot. It's literally part of their culture to not do harm to lost children and stuff like that to take them in, protect them, you know, guide them. But obviously, when we first get introduced to this character and like their predicament, we don't know this. So, I mean, this is why I liked about the series. Again, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. We get, yes, we, here and there, we get 
reacquainted with some characters from either the animated show or from the movies, mm -hmm. so like that. Pretty much more for the animated ones because that became it more. We saw live action versions from characters yeah. from the Clone Wars and from Rebels. Oh no, no, not Rebels. Well, maybe Rebels. Yeah, I'm thinking, maybe. Maybe, maybe I'm getting confused with Obi Wan because that also happened there. You're not wrong. They were on Rebels as well. Oh yes, because it's such a season three. It's season two, uh, season one as well, uh, or no, season two as well. Right. Okay. Even though Pedro Pascal is the driving force, he is Mando, but he's also in the sense of like how James Earl Jones was the driving force of Darth Vader. Yeah. Right. You have David Prowse in the original series movies in the body, but the voice was James Earl Jones. You have here where Pedro Pascal is in the uniform, in the suit, very little. And just like how in Obi-Wan had Hayden Christensen is in the suit very little. Mm -hmm. He's a stuntman. There's other actors who are walking for him. There's other actors that are uh, uh, sitting for him. Here, Pedro Pascal is in it. Here and there, he does wear the suit. He is in it. But there's you have a guy who's a gunslinger wearing a uniform. You have a guy who's doing the martial arts for him, who's actually the guy who's the martial artist. He's more of a capoeira guy. Yeah. You have another guy who's just acting. And then you have Pedro lending his voice. And again, sometimes there are scenes where he has to take off the helmet and there are some scenes where he does participate a little bit more, but for the most part, it's just him actually lending his voice. I guess he's the top bill, but how much really is him in that suit? So I just want to say that. We also have here the introduction of Fennec that then we later see in The Bad Batch. Oh, who's the one from Rebels? Uh, in season three, we saw him. He had, he had a cameo. You're thinking of uh, not the Jedi. No, 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 no. He was in the cantina. He's in Rebels. Yes. There was no, there was no, um, there was no Jedi. There was no Jedi from Rebels in here. No, 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 no. There was a Jedi in season three, but that wasn't that was uh, Jar Jar. Um, right. I, I forget his name. I just know him as Jar Jar. Um, I'm at best. You mean I'm at yes, best? Yes, yes, yes. Like yeah, he, he, he yeah. and which is a deserving performance he got. That was like a redeeming performance. But right. we'll talk about that later. Why am I forgetting that guy's name? Uh, he was like almost on for the almost the entire se uh, series. Right. And he was a, one of the original designs of Chewbacca. Zeb or Aurelius. That. But let's try to remember season one. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. The action was awesome. I love that they had Nick Nolte playing a character in there, even though it wasn't really him. It was, again, just like his James voice. Earl Jones and Pedro Pascal. Yes, he led in his voice. But it was perfect. It yeah. was perfect. Especially when he's done talking to you or he's done saying what he had to say, I have spoken. Yes. Which is awesome. And his voice is like just that iconic voice. As soon as you hear it, you know it's him. But the right. way he delivers it and follows that with, you know, I have spoken, it just, it works. It works for his no, yes. character. Now, do you have a moment? Do you remember a scene or an episode that you like from season one? Several. Episode one, introductory scene to Mando. Where like it's the opening scene and he was walking into the bar, just like how you quoted it, like just like the Clint Eastwood films and doesn't say much. He's like, I'm looking for this man, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, you can come in. Uh, what's he said? Uh, it, it became like super famous when he said it. He's like, you can come right. in. I can bring you in warm or, or I can bring, bring you in cold. cold. Yeah. And, like that. and someone attacks him. And I remember this moment vividly. Someone at the bar uh, tries to attack him. 
he completely uh, beats the guy. And then uh, the uh, the one one guy tries to run outside the bar. He uses his uh, was that the grappler mm-hmm. brings the guy in, and then the door shut and cutting the guy in half. And that was our first introduction to a Mando and what the series is going to be like. And I was like, I was taken back because I was like, did they just show someone get cut in half on Disney? Mm-hmm. Really? And, but there was like no blood and stuff like that. So it, and it wasn't like really full blown on camera. It was kind of like you saw it. Yeah, which is true. Angle. You know that that's true. But the the concept of it was very there, and I was like, oh, this is going to be promising. Okay, so that's yes, that's great. Again, the first season or the first episode, it grabbed your attention. It hooked yeah. you in, and that was what was great about it. It, it didn't take you its time to build anything it just got you right away and then as the episodes progressed through the season then you get a little bit more of the backstory then you get a little bit to know of of the character yeah i would say like in season one every upper well here's the thing like every other episode in season one was super like a banger as one of my friends would say just a really good episode and then we'll follow up with a story that's pretty good but it was more world building, story driven side story kind of thing. It was like mm-hmm. almost every like just clockwork like that. Like uh, the third episode, that was when they were trying to escape the town, the first time. The fifth episode, meh. Uh, that was the one where they're on the where we could get Fennec for the first time. That was the highlight for me, uh, meeting mm-hmm. Fennec. But then we get the, the jailbreak, which I I uh, I knew people at the time that. I was call, uh, like colleagues at the time, and we were like, yo, that's John Wick in space. He's like, he's literally going through the prison just like that. And they quoted that. And I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. They knocked that out of the park for season one. They totally did. It wasn't like a cliffhanger, but it's like you just wanted more and oh, more absolutely, and more. Absolutely. It's because of the world we fell in and how things presented itself. Now, for me, though, I liked everything that Bill Burr was in, especially in season two. Oh, yeah. Well, no. See, well, let's focus on season. We, you told me to focus on season one. So, Well, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm talking about that. I was going I was going to go back to it. Can I go back to it? Jesus Christ. You, know <laughs> you just said everything in Bill Burr. So I'm like, that covers. Right. But, I'm, but he's in season one. He is. That's the prison and scene. Then, right. But guess who else is in there with him? Oh, yeah. Clancy Brown fantastic he's been in clone wars he was in rebels he was lex luther in the superman animated series bad guy in the original highlander he is amazing and then his voice granted his role in that was a little small and of course he's a little old he's older he can't move as fluid but just to have him there and then to see bill burr like this comedian who hates star wars he doesn't get it like he doesn't get the fandom of it but John Favreau won him in it. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like, the, you know, the irony of a guy who doesn't get Star Wars, but he played it and killed it as that character, especially yeah. in season two. Better, in way se- better performance in season two, Oh yes. to be honest. Th- th- though, that episode with him and going back to where he was from and speaking to his former commander, uh, that was an intense scene. Mm-hmm. But then you have also here, who's no longer with the series, uh, Gina Carano. Yep. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I was so happy to see her in that. I had a big crush on her. Now she's a big girl in here. She used to be a lot thinner. 
but still like she could move and, and she was a great part but then you know she ran her mouth and unfortunately she could not continue after season two another fight was presented to her even though it was a social media fight and she didn't want to back down when she should have backed down she should have just Maybe. ate crow because like i can tell you like pedro uh, pedro did some stuff too but like they hushed that real quick and i let it go but she wouldn't let it hush and it's one of those things like you just don't pick fights. If you're working for the House of Mouse, be a shadow. Don't don't be on the forefront. Before we continue that, I want to go over some some other things like the directors. There's several directors mm -hmm. per season, and you have um, done a few as Bryce Dallas Howard, Dave Filoni, uh, Deborah Chow, which she directed the Obi Wan series. She shouldn't have not the whole anyway, but she did. Carl Weathers. Directed a few episodes. Peyton Reed from the Ant-Man movies. He directed a couple. Taika Watiti, he directed one. John Favreau, he directed one. Robert Rodriguez, he directed one. He directed the Boba Fett episode in season two. Yeah, that was a nice one. Yes, but then what happened to the series then? He, you know what I'm saying? Like he presented so well. He didn't do the series, did he? Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he I did the majority. He did the majority of it. I blacked that out. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry for saying his last name incorrectly because he was one of my clients back in, in New York in the gym days. Rick Famua. And I apologize, Rick, for messing up your name. But he directed about six episodes. When I knew him back then in New York, uh, about over 10 years ago, I didn't know he was into film. And to see his name show up and then to see his his face on the behind the scenes, I was like, holy crap, that was so cool. And then I've communicated, you know, since, since I saw him there, I was like, congrats, you know, like I reached out to him and say, congrats on your work on The Mandalorian. He's done some other great projects as well, but just to see that, it was awesome. And then he did a lot more. He was more involved this season, season three, with a couple more episodes in and producing and things of that nature. So it was, it was awesome. How did season one end? I can't remember. <laughs> Season oh. one was, uh, do you remember now? Yes, it was with um, the lava scene. Yeah, and they introduced right. Moff Gideon. And correct. That was awesome, especially with the Darksaber. All mm -hmm. this stuff it was good. Which I also liked here is like, it's almost every scene, there are some scenes that are on location, but for the most part, it's all in studio and the technology is so amazing that you think they're outdoor, but they're indoor in this the studio called the volume. It's like a dome. Yes. And the camera, when the camera moves, the screens adjust to how the camera moves to film. Mm -hmm. And that technology is amazing. It just, you just save so much on travel, location, all that stuff where you can just put it digitally and then you just fix a little bit up in post and then you're done. Okay. Let's go to season two because season two goes a little deeper. You have, now, well, before Wait, we go that, before you, that. you didn't really give much for season one other than the prison episode with Bill Burr. Right. You like. and Unless I, you're just going to say the scenes I mentioned. Well, no, I just, I just like everything about it in that set. I, mean, I just love how Bill, Bill Burr's performance, but I want to go back to another episode where it reminded me of, now probably getting confused with season two, but I think this is in season one. It reminded me of the Seven Samurai. The season where two. Where Dinjarin and what's her what's her name goes to, to that town? Ahsoka? No, not Ahsoka. No. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the episode's called uh, Sanctuary. 
It's like a village. And that, it's like a village. And right. he, he meets a, a woman there that offers him a home, essentially. I like that because I, it was, again, it just reminded me of Seven Samurai. Those two help with um, the town learning how to defend itself, how to be, uh, form a security barrier, all that stuff. So it was, for me, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, um, you also have here to make a couple of appearances, which I think he's a great actor. Not so much this time in season three, but his appearance was for me and Kim was great because we were, we follow him or we used to watch his show along with Simon, Simon Liu, Kim's convenience, which is currently streaming on Netflix is a Canadian show that tells the story of a Korean family and Paul Sun Hyung Lee, who is a big, huge star Wars fan. Cause he'll show on his post, uh, him dressed in star Wars cosplaying and stuff like that. So it was for him like a dream come true to play as a, a new character. He's the old um, Asian gentleman. Oh, the the pilot. So yeah, I liked that scene with the village. Again, that, that prisoner scene with uh, Bill Burr. The ending of the season, yes, it was great because it's, it gave such a cl- great cliffhanger. Yeah. And to see Moff Gideon come out, played by Giancarlo Esposito, where he's from... Breaking Bad, The Boys. boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been from Spike Lee films way back in the day. This guy's been working. He's mm-hmm. working. And he's one of my friend's um, classmates from college, his cousin. Just kind of like another six degrees kind of thing, but it doesn't matter anyway. But you have throughout here too also, in all the series, you have guest appearances. We're not going to go into that too much. It's countless. Have the guest yes, it's countless. It's way too high. But it's kind of cool to see because they're all in prosthetics pretty much. And they're, you know, doing their best. You can tell by the, when you hear their voice. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. But besides that, uh, season two, is there a moment that you did like? I mean, there's several good, really good moments. I know the most iconic one that like almost broke the internet. And is I think the highest rated episode on IMDb. It's like at 9.8. The other moment though was Ahsoka. Like that entire episode was a fantastic episode to me. Especially oh, that final duel. It was almost like one of those old samurai films. And Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it for me that scene as well took me back to Obi Wan and Darth Vader in a New Hope. I can see that. Even though it brought back the Jedi to the forefront, like she was not it showed like how good of a character she was, as I remember her more so in Rebels than I did in Clone Wars, because I followed Rebels more than I did Clone Wars. And yo, she went in like a ninja, like just took over and like did what she needed to do. But then like her opponent wasn't like a Jedi force wielder or anything like that. It was just, was it not Countess? Uh, there's, a, she had a particular name. Well, her name was Morgan um, is Elsbeth. Uh, I don't remember her, her ranking order, but. She, she was what? like the pseudo Shogun of the village or something like that. I want to say. Okay. Or the, oh, the daimyo. I'm trying to lay it to a samurai you can, film. You can say, but you can say that, but it was more like she, she took over. So it wasn't like, yeah, she, it wasn't like, um, she forced herself onto that village. A warlord. To, you know, she, yeah. You could say that warlord. Yeah. Okay. Which is pretty much a shogun. Uh, but the thing is real quick is that it was played by Diana Lee Inosanto. Does that ring a bell? No, I don't. I don't think of anything that stands out like her as a performing okay. actress. Does Dan and Santo ring a bell to you? No. 
Does Bruce Lee ring a bell to you? That's Bruce Lee's daughter? No, goddaughter. Goddaughter. Her father is Dan Ensanto. He was Bruce Lee's best friend. Mm. And he's also in Game of Death. He's in with Bruce Lee, that nunchuck scene. Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's been around for a while. She's been a stunt woman. She's done some small parts here and there, um, acting-wise. And so here she has a nice part, big, good part. And she's going to be in Ahsoka. She's in that series that's right, coming out soon in August. So that I love that scene as well. And then you also have Michael Bean. He's from Terminator. It was great to see him because we haven't seen him in a long while. Yeah, And to see him back acting even in a small part like that it was so good and I, you know like the fanboy in me because again we know him from terminator and we also know him from aliens exactly and also tombstone hmm. yeah season two did have uh, your other favorite episode with uh bill burr which was a fantastic episode for a lot of reasons right. it felt like the usual suspects kind of thing yeah i could see that it had that had that tension the episode was actually really good in so many f- reasons the, the train scene the acting on that one or the action on that one that right was it the train one where yeah. it's, fighting. it's the believer episode right and that one and then you have that one where he's talking to his commander bill burr and I, no, I think that's also not the first time we see Mando take off his mask. No, the first time we see his mask get taken off was it's in season one. I know yeah, that, because he but, got the explosion. Right. But this is the first time we see him do it in front of others, people, because the one he thought that time was in front of a droid. Yeah. And, and this one, the droid was the one that removed it off of him. Right. But I'm just talking about here. He had to do it in front of humans. Exactly. And that was, you can see the the struggle he had within that. So yeah, that episode was so good. Just the acting wise, not really the action was good, but for me it was the acting. And then you have, like I said, that that episode with the samurai, very influential, influential um, from past samurai films. I believe it influenced the one of the action scenes in John Wick Four. But then the final episode, the return of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Even though I knew a CGI when he took off the hood, it was just still great to see. I mean, I know so many fans got teary-eyed and they're like, at the same time, he looks terrible, but they're still crying because- There was all they needed. It was like the moment you saw the green light, no, the moment you saw the X-Wing, people were losing their stuff. Then sealed the deal with the green lightsaber. Mm Mm-hmm. There was, they they could have kept the hood and no one would have questioned that was Luke Skywalker. No, but really true. If you go on YouTube and you see some people's reaction, they're like so clueless. It's like, yeah, they're supposed to be fans. It's They have no idea. But still, it's like, how do you not know? You have a guy with a green lightsaber. You have a guy wearing one glove. You have a guy who's coming in with an X-Wing fighter. So, hello, it's like, how can you not use deduction? I'm saying if hypothetically they said we're just going to keep the hood on, but we use Mark Hamill's voice, that would have been enough for like 98% of the internet. That would probably been better. Maybe. That would probably yeah, been arguably, yeah. Awesome. I, I mean, my my opinion, I think that would have been cool. You're like you're trying to figure out. I know a lot sure of people wanted Sebastian Stan to like just do it because. That would lo- have been awesome too. He looks just like him. He does. Yes. Especially when you put the wig on. I was like, holy crap. Looks just like it. It would have been awesome. I would have preferred that. Yeah. And, and I, put, I believe Mark Hamill even said like, yeah, he does. He like, he perfect. <laughs> yeah. And just do that. And then put in the voice. Mm-hmm. Cause again, that 
version of Luke Skywalker looked very stiff. Yeah, I can see that. You yeah. Know, also, the the go about we were talking about Michael Bean and Terminator. You um, in that episode was it that episode? Wait, wait so you're going back to the, the to the samurai village, the Jedi episode? No, no, don't that episode where Luke comes in, but Din Djarin is fighting the black troopers. Yes, Michael Bean's not in that. I know. Well, you mentioned Michael Bean again. <laughs> no shit, but I'm not talking about Michael Bean. I'm talking about Terminator. Okay. If you let me finish and let me explain, then you can hear it. No, so, you asked me a question and I followed up. Did I? Yes. Oh, so anyway, <laughs> but no, like, again, like we have this world of Star Wars, right? You can take it from a lot of influence from everywhere, but you, with his fight with the Black Troopers, I'm gonna call them black troopers. I can't remember their their official name, but or de not death troopers. Maybe death troopers or the uh, modified death troopers or something like that. Well, they're definitely robotic. Yeah, his scene with them fighting is almost reminiscent of the T800 and the T1000, where Dinjarin is Arnold and the black troopers are the T1000, mm -hmm. where he's trying to freaking close the the doors. And they come and open, put their hands through the opening, just like T-1000 did in the elevator. He puts it in and tries to separate, right? To open the door to get to Sarah Connor. And Arnold shoots his head and he lets go. And then there's a, you know the scene where T-1000 is banging Arnold's head and smashing it. It's similar to what they're doing to Tinjarin on their fight. So there's a parallel there. The, the fight scenes in Terminator 2 and the fight scenes with Tinjarin and the Black Troopers. I did double check, it's Dark Troopers. Dark Troopers, okay. Now, what I didn't like about season one, we're gonna go back to season one, what I didn't like about season one is that, like the Bad Batch, where you have a story, but then there are side missions, just like in a video game. Mm -hmm. And you have here in, in season one, and in also season two, because he upgrades, mm -hmm. just like you would in a video game. Once you complete a certain missions or accomplish certain goals, you can upgrade your gear. And I noticed that, here in the seasons mm -hmm. a little bit here with season three with grogu i would say but, season three is the more refined right there's not so much upgrade well also with bo katan too because she kind of did get an upgrade as well mm -hmm. i compared to assassin's creed because a lot of times that's what happened to enzo or the other descendants would complete a mission they have the money so they can go to a shop and upgrade and we're here he was able to bring back the metal and they use it to put to his armor. Yeah. Um, now, season three. Out of the three seasons, to me, season three is the less interesting one. Really? You have so much going on. It felt unorganized. You have the spies. You have the one, the remaining, the loyalists to Moff Gideon and to the Empire, who mm -hmm. lobotomizes the, the scientist. Okay. You have Moff Gideon escapes, and then we find out he's, he's at Mandalore. Mm -hmm. And then all hell breaks loose on the last two episodes, which were great, but I don't know. It just felt like it was going one direction and they like took a right turn. I don't I mean, for me, the last, the last two episodes were the greatest. Oh no, I don't disagree. The last two episodes were like the most action packed episodes and arguably it, it, like it could have been, of the, it could have been the one seasons. It could have been, I'm sorry. It could have been one episode, one long ass one. Now see, now. Mm. Okay, so I, someone I worked with uh, also made a joke about this. That like season three is like Bo Katan season, and they argued like the fact that this might be the last season for. Uh, this was before the finale, of course. 
that mm-hmm. this might be the last season for Pedro Pascal. And like the show is literally called The Mandalorian, not Din Jaren. Correct. So like the, the it was like setting up Bo Katan potentially taking on the the role for this the rest mm-hmm. of the series. So I can see like if you're focusing on that the fact that it needs to be more about Mando and the, it was like I I think season three was more concise for the story in in where the side missions weren't like a mean it was there but it was to carry the story along where in some of the previous seasons the side stories that you jump on literally could have been episodes that you could have scratched entirely out the thing like season two the episode the frog, yeah and the snow and the snow fun episode i love it is a great episode really not relevant to the story as a mm-hmm. whole the siege i mean that was a good episode that could have easily been removed or condensed so there was a lot of things that like uh that that could have been happening and reduced mm-hmm. same thing with season one that happened with season one here it was like all these little things Maybe the convert, you know, that side story that mm-hmm. could have been reduced, and maybe the fouling, but like all of them really helped to build to what you were getting at. No, I have right. to disagree. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, I just, for me, I just felt like it was just not concise. Again, it was going from one story to another, one character to another, almost. Like Carl Weathers' character, was he really needed in this season? Not really. No. Uh, it, it, not really uh and but like that's like going to a peaceful village that's your safe spot like that's like making the argument like is splinter's character relevant when the turtles go back to their lair in the subway or in the in the in the sewer because all he's or- doing all he does when you see him 90 percent of the time is sitting around maybe he says something to the to the boys but it falls in line a little bit like boba fett where you have the main character but then you have a couple episodes that's focused on someone else yeah and i know even, you even, don't like that though i don't i want to be i want to focus on one character now i understand you you want to get a little more backstory on bo katan what have you but i was like let's stay on dinjarin and groku's relationship but again that's just me on on season three and mm-hmm. just, for me i think season three is the weakest out of the Three. It left me wanting more. Not not even wanting more because it was so good. Because it just didn't give me enough. It didn't satisfy me as season one and season two did. Okay. Besides, I'm going back to season two because of, because of Boba Fett, the return of Boba Fett, which was great, but also did not make sense because he was tracking down the suit. Yeah. But at the same token, he went after Mando, who got the suit from you're talking about timothy elephant the marshal yes so he had the outfit for a while but boba fett never went for him but when then mando got it he went after him it makes no sense i mean uh i don't think in boba fett they explained like why he didn't go grab it first um well no but the thing is he had a tracker that's how he found him he he, the the suit had a tracking chip but he he doesn't get it from the marshal he gets it from mando which again it makes no sense some I mean, even though the show as a whole is great, there are some consistency issues that it doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. that, I mean, is is minor out of the whole big scope of things. But still, it's just like, wait a minute, then, but why did, why are you going after him when this guy had it the whole time and you've been looking for it? It doesn't make sense. Now, here we go. I'm going to ask you this because I know we're jumping all over the place. Yes. Do you believe Moff Gideon is dead? No, I heard a fan theory about that. That he's a clone. Yeah, the right. one, the one that we. Well, that, it, technically, if that's the case, then he is dead. Uh, but is he because he had 
the the metal to protect them. Well, no. So here, here's here, here's the thing. So the 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 theory I heard is the Moff Gideon that we see in the final episode that dies is really not the real Moff Gideon. Right, he's dead. He's a clone because he had no mustache. Kind of makes sense if he's an incomplete clone. Why he has an enhanced armor suit that's borderline like Darth Vader in a sense that is to keep his body functioning. Because uh, the you hear the suit go, like as he's moving is making that like mechanical noise like the T one like the T eight hundred and and Terminator and to supplement the fact that he, and he's not normal strength also. But I mean it's fan theory he could have been the real Moff Gideon in that sense too. Which, let's be honest, if he was a clone and real Moff Gideon still around, they just Palpatine him. Well, that will make it a little bit more cheesy. Right. But the thing is, like, from what we've seen from the other seasons, Moff Gideon is smart. Yeah. I don't think he'll put himself in that easy predicament or situation. Absolutely. I And that's why I'm like, the theory does sound plausible I mean, the to way, me. the, the way he talks... Is similar to Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. Where and where I think that Admiral Thrawn was more of his like his mentor, or where they met and he found like inspiration or admiration for this guy. So he's gonna emulate him mm-hmm. and take his role or his approach very calculated. I don't think he's dead, the real one. I think it was the clone, especially so we just saw that he had clones there. And they were and- pretty baked. Like pretty well done. Like oh, they were ready to pop. Exactly. And then the thing is, like you could have the clones, and then they could have been like have them sanctioned at different locations to help rule parts of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But we'll see if he returns. If he really is dead, because it just seemed a little too easy for him to go. Yeah. Granted, yeah, the the ship crashed and all that stuff, but the, it was not really as climactic as say the other end of the seasons. As far as like for the finale episode. It didn't feel right. as climactic. It felt like they were closing the chapter for Mandalorian with like mm-hmm. a like a cartoon Disney ending, happy ending kind of situation. I even right. had that whole pan down and great fight scenes. And I love the Red Guards, a callback to sequels. Yes, you can see that stuff is going in motion in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I saw them. I was like, oh, ho, ho, crap. Oh, yeah. that was uh, I think now, they're called the Praetorians or... Uh, I'm just calling them Red Guard because they're red. Yeah. Episode eight was arguably my favorite episode of the season. It, like, it was... Uh, and I remember a lot of, my, a lot of the episodes I watched was at work. Yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they said that. I was like, oh, my God, really? I was like... <laughs> you just want that guy to pop out. <laughs> yeah, it would have been funnier if that, that that did happen. It would have been better. I was like, holy crap. So, like, I remember telling one of my managers, I'm like, bro, you need to watch this because we want to talk about this episode. He's like, fine, I'll watch it on my break. I'm like, good. And he, and he comes back. He's like, I was questioning everybody here because at first you all said it was a, a like a heavy action-packed episode. And I got about three quarters of the way through. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And then that last quarter, I'm like, yes. <laughs> That last okay, quarter yeah. of episode eight was where it just not episode seven of the season. Mm-hmm. Everything popped but off. Did he have his troopers, Gideon? Did he have his troopers wearing the same armor, or was it just him? So his armor was more enhanced, but they wore Beskar. So okay, it so was Mandalorian they, armor. 
So how come they got they die so easily? Because just like the storm tro- just like the stormtroopers. Because I'm saying like you have these stormtroopers wearing these armors to protect them from blast. Yeah, but they get hit and die almost instantly. Now, granted, some here that yes, some deflection, but they pretty much got dealt with easily. The I was watching someone that was talking about it. And they made a good comparison. You take a person, you give them a high powered uh, guns, and you give them like a bulletproof vest. And then you say, okay, go out there and fight a battle. Great. Now you give a person guns and a bulletproof vest and you give that to John Wick. And then you say, go kill that guy. That battle is going to look completely different because one person is completely trained with that material and knows its ins and outs versus the other person that is like, I have the technology. I don't have the skills. Yeah, I'm sorry, but no, I disagree. Because a lot of those shots were not kill shots. They had some, yes, where they were shooting like in the neck mm-hmm. or un- underneath the helmet. That did happen. But for the most part, they're just getting hit in the chest and they're like, ugh, and they're dead. Just like how it was in A New Hope and the rest of the Star Wars movies that every stormtrooper got hit and they just fell. I mean, the Empire must really suck and the body armor division because everyone oh, yeah. gets hit. Even like I told you, like in the return of the return of the Jedi Ewoks are throwing rocks at the stormtroopers and the stormtroopers are getting knocked out. How is that possible? If you're wearing armor, you should not be being knocked out or killed by getting hit with sticks and stones. I told you my theory. You didn't like my theory. Uh, it made no sense. Hey, I stand by it. The, the, the empire is all about like, uh, like, financial gain you know status and power they don't care about their employees in the sense that they're going to give them the best of the best stuff they're going to give them stuff that would be adequate but not workable but okay well i would have quit if i was one of the sword troopers i'd be like thin i I, quit i assumed i like he gave them best car but it was probably not pure or well done best car and he was saving all the really good stuff because remember it's a rare commodity think of like adamantium and marvel it's great but it's extremely rare uh or like yes, uh, vibranium. I, I understand that so he right, saved it for his that. his clone babies that he wanted that they, they got snuffed in their sleep all right fair enough is this worth the watch this entire series yes for me absolutely is it worth the price of admission meaning to own i would be okay with owning this okay it is worth the watch for me not the worth the price of admission season three let me down in comparison to season one and season two mm. what they did in season in the episode they did they dedicated to mando and groku and boba fett mm-hmm. they should have led that with the first episode for season three they should have done something like that talk about the, the dark saber him suffering because again he didn't really suffer that much he just says he just pretty much gives it to bo katan yeah with with degrees of separation, it was how she earned it. But that episode could have been in here and then a better explanation. But that's just my opinion on that. 90% again for the critics, 78% with the audience. I will say more like 85, like season one and season two, definitely in the nineties. Season three for me brought it down into the 80s okay what about you i'm solid with like it being like a 87 now which season for you was the better season season two overall is the best of all the seasons 
season three was fun for me uh, because I, I liked how it flowed. I think it flowed for me. I know you'd say no, but I say it did flow the best as far as one cohesive story. Just going through okay. hype moments, episodes that were like most iconic and like just intense season two. Okay. For me, it's season one. Okay. Out of the live action series so far on Disney Plus, Andor beats it, then Mando. Well, definitely not Boba. It was uh, that or Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan's third, I guess, then. But if you want to take a comparison to Andor season one and Mando season one, I would say Mando's better than Andor. Mm. It's a toss up. It's really a toss up per season. Season one was uh, of Andor, kind of blew me away. But yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, me from. too. Yeah. Okay, guys, that is our sensational review of The Mandalorian. If you have a show or movie you would like us to review, please let us know in the description below or email us at tellthetwobros at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. We have spoken. This is the way. Wrong, wrong.